0: From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, professor of pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. When did you learn about sex? Was it from a parent or a friend? Were you taught how to protect yourself from a possible sexual predator? Incidents of sexual abuse and exploitation are very real and happen every day. Today, we'll talk about a program that can empower children to protect themselves and help protect, prevent sexual exploitation. I want to talk about what's going on in your life today? Share your comments and experiences with us this morning by calling one 877 mpb ring. That's 1-877-672-7464, or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking from MPB Think Radio.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
0: Good morning and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress and today we are talking about sex. Sex. So when did you learn first about sex, and who did you learn it from? Was it a parent, or was it that friend who seemed to know all? What kind of information did you get? The other question today we want to talk about is, were you taught how to protect yourself from a possible sexual predator? Child exploitation is really real-life stuff. First responders and professionals in emergency rooms will tell you that incidents of sexual abuse and exploitation are very real, unfortunately, and happen every day. Today, we'll talk about a program that can help prevent sexual exploitation, and and we have some special guests with us to tell us about the program. But before we get into that, um, I, I wanted to just go over a few things parents often ask how old should a child start before talking about sex and um, my answer and everyone here today's answer is younger than you think if you talk about sexual matters from the very beginning and you use the right language there doesn't have to then be this sudden birds and bees talk so um Having a small series of conversations that you spread out over many years um, is reinforcing and empowering. Um, so and then you become more of an askable parent. Um, you give a child a real gift. Do you give them the ability to feel like they can approach you about things? So my question to you, listening audiences when did you learn about the birds and the bees who taught you about sex Um, did you think it was adequate or do you think you were done a disservice by not learning more about it when you were young did anything ever happen to you when you were young that you think you could have prevented had you had more knowledge Give us a call at one mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, Or you can send that email to family at mpbonline.org. All right. So um, the other question I want to throw out to you is, do you wish that there were some re- resources available to you to help you teach your child or for you to read when you were younger? Um, parents who are even very rarely at the loss for words uh, often stumble when it's time to talk to kids about sex and, um, you know, sometimes uh, having a good book. We'll talk about that. Um, you know, one, one thing that I brought up as we were, we were uh, waiting to come in the show was that many individuals worry about stranger danger. But what we're getting ready to find out, and we do a lot of warning about stranger danger, and I have a funny story to tell you. Um, but the truth is, warning about stranger danger is good, and we need to do it for sure. But, but often the, the sexual abuse, the sexual molestation issues often come up um, with non-strangers, and we're going to talk more about that. I have a funny Stranger Danger story to tell you about. Um, My grandson, Cohen, uh, his mother was uh, trying to talk to him about Stranger Danger because she was worried about that. And she said, Cohen, what would you do if a man came up to you and said, Son, I lost my puppy. Will you please come help me find it? And he said, Oh, I'd say, No, I can't go off with Stranger's. And she said, but what if he said, son, I've lost my two-year-old, and he really likes older kids. Will you please come help me find my two-year-old? And he said, I'd say, dude, how irresponsible are you? You lost your puppy and your child. So (laughs) I think he kind of got the point there. But when I talked to my daughter about this program, she had not yet talked to her son about um the sexual exploitation issues so now i think this is a good time for me to introduce our special guest here i'm really excited about a program i want you to to learn about today as we're moving along we have dana larkin who is the executive director of Growing Up Knowing, and Leah Wittenberg, who is a program specialist. And then I'm delighted to also have Gigi Holder, who is a social worker fellow at our Center for the Advancement of Youth at, at UMMC, and she's going to be a facilitator for the program. So welcome, all of you.
2: Thank you for Thank having you us. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks. Happy to be here.
0: Really happy y'all are here. I learned about this program from um Dana a few months ago i guess Dana couple right? months ago a couple mm-hmm. of months ago and um uh we were just so excited about it and and wanted to um learn more and spread the word so um as as i'm going to ask Dana, to talk about the program and the, the mission of the program, um, and as we're talking about it, please feel free, listening audience, to give us a call and throw out those questions, throw out those issues that happened, maybe some of your concerns, at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So. Thanks again, Dana, for coming in. And why don't you talk to us a little bit about your program and what it's about?
3: So our nonprofit is called Growing Up Knowing, which is what we want. We want children to grow up with the information and the knowledge and the communication skills to talk to their parents. Our, um, our first program, um, our premier program, is called the Tween Talk It's a comprehensive sex education for middle school age children and their parents or caregivers. Mm -hmm. And we, um, our goals in that that program is to impart the correct information and to increase the communication between the children and the parents. It's an evidence based curriculum, so it is focused at middle school age children, so that hopefully we're getting them before they engage in risky behavior. It's it's an eight hour. Two, two hours a night session for four weeks and we educate parents and children together through every mm-hmm. part of the education process. We talk about the body parts. We give them all kinds of communication skills. We talk about um, contraceptives and we talk about es- sexually transmitted infections and diseases. And we talk about risky behaviors and how to how to um, combat those and and the strategies to avoid them. And we even draw up a contract between the children and their parent or caregiver so that they can agree on what risky behaviors they're not going to allow in their house and what they're going to allow. And we talk about the future, what they want to be and what kind of person they want to be in the the future and how a teen pregnancy or an STI might throw up barriers for them to Mm -hmm. reach that.
0: Mm-hmm. great information mm-hmm. so as you're going through the program i think one thing that um we've talked about is making sure that you really use uh proper terms for everything that you're teaching about right yes. and um the other thing too now you're you're talking about the tween talk now at the beginning. Um, I mentioned how early do you start? Now, certainly you're not suggesting that we start with tweens, right? I know you have other portions of the program.
3: So when I was helping one of our organizations um, recruit for the tween talk, two parents shot their hands up and said, Wait a minute, what are you waiting for sixth grade for? Our kids need information to avoid abuse and and bullying and all that. So we went in uh, collaboration with a professor, a family education professor at the University of Southern Mississippi and, and started um, My Body, My Boundaries, which I'm going to let Leah describe to y'all. But I also want to uh, tell y'all that the American Academy of Pediatrics on their home page, on their, fa- on, on their website, says that parents should begin the hard, tough conversations by the time their child is three, because what that does is that it, it, it's, like you said before, Susan, yes. it sets yeah. up the, the, um, the understanding that you can come to me with, you can come to your parent with any information, good, bad, and we'll talk about it. But always, let's always talk and never share and never keep secrets from each other. Right. So it, it just sets it up. You know, so, there's
0: always a concern. And, um, Gigi, I don't know if you want to comment on this before we move to the the younger program. There's always a concern that when you start bringing up... Um, talk about sex that it's it's um, sort of allowing or promoting and then parents get concerned that oh gosh if we don't bring it up maybe they won't even think about it until they're
4: older um, do you think there's some danger in that right um, I think like you said it's it keeps that veil over mm. the situation and the conversations that can happen if we don't bring them up it's it's considered taboo but i really think that if parents caregivers are able to remove that veil and start thinking of it as if we promote the conversation like Dana was saying that if we promote that so that kids know that okay this is a person i can go to for this information i don't have to just wonder or i have to go to a friend or just kind of think of ideas my own self mm-hmm. i have someone i can go to they already know that that's being instilled so i think that that's something if we start those conversations earlier a child knows that I can go to that person. Absolutely.
3: I just would like to add on to that because that was a, a great answer. Is that sex is a normal thing? It's 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 a reality, and whether parents want to admit it or not, it is just out there in our kids, especially our tweens' everyday life. So, yeah, your answer is absolutely, absolutely right.
0: Yeah. So yeah, Leah before we go to our break, um if you would tell us just a little bit about the, the younger program.
2: Yeah, of course. So yeah. Like Dana was saying, My Body, My Boundaries is is a program that is a one hour abuse prevention program for kindergarten through fifth graders and their parents or caregivers. And so we're really trying to start the conversation that will hopefully continue at home over the years as their child grows. So we are teaching children the correct names of their body parts. Um, And one of the reasons that's so important is because using the correct names, penis and vagina, Um, like you would use arm and leg um, increases self-esteem for the kids it increases the actual communication between the kids and their parents and um, it it takes away the taboo like Gigi was saying Um, and so we also are giving um, the kids a way to say no when they feel when they're in an uncomfortable situation we're giving them um, you know tools to recognize their own physical boundaries and um really it's a it's a cultural change and so um if we can continue to talk about that after the break
0: yeah after the break um when we come back i really do want us to talk a little bit more about what you mean by boundaries Mm -hmm. um so listeners Want to know when you learned about sex? Who taught you? Did you have any incidences that happened that maybe could have been been prevented if you had known, if you had only been armed with proper information? Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. We want to hear from you. This is Relatively Speaking, and we'll be right back.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit MPBOnline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
0: Welcome back. Today we're talking about um, learning about the birds and the bees. Who taught you about sex? And um, was it helpful? Did it help empower you on how to protect yourself, perhaps? Um, maybe prevent an unwanted pregnancy? Did it, Or did you find that you didn't get the proper education? Um, I'd really like to hear from you about your stories, your thoughts. Um, you don't have to use your real name if you don't want to, but just give us a call and let us know. Um, if there were an incident that perhaps happened to you that maybe could have been prevented, or if you think maybe we should be waiting to teach um, children about sex education, there is information that perhaps that's not the right thing to do. But give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 7464 You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Well, before the break, we were talking about our our young program and um, teaching children how how they can have boundaries for their their own bodies. And we were talking with uh, Leah, who is um, the the program director. Program, Program specialist,
2: specialist. <laughs> on, um, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the same. Okay,
0: Leia, <laughs> tell us a little mm-hmm. bit more about the the boundary setting because I mm-hmm. will say that as a grandparent, there are a couple <laughs> of things on the boundary setting that that made me take a little bit of a breath mm-hmm. about. Um, the hugs and such. Why don't you talk about
2: that? Yeah, for sure. Thank you. So um, definitely, like you're saying, and like I said before the break, it is really a cultural change. So, um, you know, often, if when you have a grandparent that you have hasn't seen their grandchild in many months, you know, you walk into the room, and you see your grandchild, and you just kind of like pick them up and hug them. And that really is actually teaching our kids an opposite lesson of trust, because if we're telling our kids that they have to hug or kiss or touch someone, even a family member, and and they don't get a choice in that, even if they don't feel like it at the time that's kind of telling them that you know any any adult can do that to them any child can do that to them and so what we are really trying to instill is this idea that your body is your body and no matter how old you are you get to decide if you want to be hugged or touched and so Um, One of the things that we talk about is, you know, if you that one, it's okay to say no, um, if someone asks to hug you, and also that it's important, you have to ask permission before you hug before you touch someone else before they touch you. And so we, you know, we give the kids scenarios, because it's it's very, it's an interactive workshop. And so we say, you know, what could you do if you don't feel like hugging them? And so some of the things we say with that are, well, you could give them a high five. You could say, you know, maybe later. Fist bump um, is getting very popular. Gigi is nodding. (laughs) I'm
4: over here shaking my head because Mm -hmm. just recently um, one of my friends, uh, she introduced me to her Mm -hmm. three-and-a-half-year-old girl. And uh, she's like, oh, you know, do do you want to give Gigi a hug? Uh, You know, and the little Mm -hmm. girl, I could just tell she had this look on her face like... I don't know if I'm ready for that. Right. And the mom's mm-hmm. like, Well what about a high five? I said I said, How about a high five? And she was just kinda like, Okay, that's better. Yeah. You know, yeah. that relief that came over her face. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. and
0: I, I think so many times we as adults assume um that that it's, it's okay, and that they want to hug us, but sometimes mm-hmm. they're just not ready yet, or maybe they don't want to at all. <laughs> but um, this is probably a good point for us to talk about something that I mentioned at the beginning of the show, and that is that we worry so much about stranger danger, but in the sexual abuse, sexual molestation arena, it often is not a stranger, right?
3: Statistically, it is not a, a stranger. It is somebody that the child knows or has been exposed to. It could be a neighbor. It could be somebody's boyfriend. It could be a girlfriend or anything like that. It could be anybody. Mm-hmm. So we need to keep that communication open between the children and, and his or her parents, and we need to keep the, um, you know, and we need yeah. to equip these children, like Leia like was saying, with the information. And the empowerment that they can right. self-advocate for themselves and say no, I, I don't want to hug you, or no, I don't want to touch you, and we and we tell children that, especially if someone ever tells you not to tell your parents that it's a secret between them, that is the exact reason. To go yeah. with them. Yeah. So I think, you know, I, I know that we want to. Wait, make... I said that wrong. I'm sorry. Right. It's the exact reason to go tell your parent. Yeah, I yeah. just needed to finish that. And if I can that. just say that, actually,
4: is a technical term, it's called grooming. I think that that's something grooming. that parents wow. and caregivers need to know that when a child is being talked to by, again, someone that they trust, that they know, and they're saying, oh, like, I'll give you some candy or I'll get, you know, mm-hmm. that is called the grooming process. The person is gaining that child's trust so that in the end it's like don't tell don't tell that this happened yeah
0: and it may have happened to an older relative and they never told Mm -hmm. and so now it's happening to a younger child so just i I think everybody needs to listen and keep that in mind um let's go on to the phones we have linda in port gibson morning linda thanks for calling
5: good morning uh i want to handle this as delicate as I can. Sure. Okay. Um, when I got 13 and, you know, I, you know, had my cycle and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was just as dumb as a My mother just said it as subtle as she could. She said, uh, she said, now you're becoming to be a big girl. And she said, Don't no, uh you know don't let the boys be you know be messing around with you, or you will soon find out that you have a a baby coming and I was saying that it scared me, uh-huh it really did and did I wouldn't let a boy touch me or hug me or anything like that, so Even you- when I was in college, I didn't let anybody. Uh, come up and hug or try to, you know, do something, because I didn't know, I didn't want a baby, and I knew what the consequences of having one
0: would be. Yeah. Well, did you feel like your mother didn't exactly explain to you what that meant so that you knew um, exactly what?
5: Yeah, she explained. Oh, good. She explained to me. And I knew exactly what she meant. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well that's good. So you're grateful to your mother for having that yeah. talk with you.
5: Yeah. Yeah, she pulled me aside, you know, and and told me you be, you now you a big girl. And you know, when she said big girl and you know, whatever else came along with you
3: know. Yeah.
5: And she gave me the talk.
3: Yeah, I think Dana wants yeah. to say it. Thank Dana. you, Linda. I'm sorry. Thank you, Linda, for your honesty in, in telling us that story. You know, I raised my two daughters with a very open uh, situation where if, whenever they came with questions, I would talk to them. But now that I'm working with this program, I so wish I had the language that was there, you know, that's in our program that I could have imparted to my children because they are. That is one good thing that comes out of our program is we give them the right words to use with their children if they if they want to. Um, And also, we have seen that, um, that teens, that teens say that parents are the most influential in their decision making about having sex. And not only and then that's all the way up to age 18 is what research tells us. And and more so than their peers or finding out from their neighbors or anything else. It's the parents. And it's not only that parents impart the information, but kids are watching parents model behavior. And, and that's what's really, um, really important. And back to your other statement you made before the phone call. we When we were doing this program at one of our after-school partners and a parent came up to us afterwards and said, I was abused as a child and nobody would believe me. This is the most important program that we've ever come to with that I've ever come to with my child, wow. because it's giving us that information and, and she she encouraged us to push the telling adults a lot more mm-hmm. than we were when we first started, and we, we took her advice and, and pushed it more because sometimes the first parent the first adult a child will go to won't might not believe them, so we tell them to keep being persistent, be persistent, and, and find an adult that has the time to sit down and talk to you and believe you, right. Right, I I
0: actually know someone who who told me about the fact that they had um, grown up, and um, the 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 mother had uh, had a previous marriage, and she just uh, the breakup was terrible on her, and stepfather began abusing sexually the child her. And um, she was afraid to tell her mother because she didn't want her mother to be sad. Mm -hmm. And so I know those kinds of situations happen all the time, and we just have to be so thoughtful about making sure that we empower children and we let them know that there is such a thing. Um, Gd, I appreciate that term, the grooming term, that people will, you know, give you stuff or um, warn you about why you shouldn't tell or whatever.
3: Um, another piece of data that we like to brag about that have come out of our programs is that of all the parents that have participated in our tween talk, the Comprehensive Sex Education Fifty-four percent of them were teen parents themselves, which means they're trying to stop the cycle in their own families, which okay. is just huge. That's wonderful. Yeah, sure. that's Im- important information. So join the
0: conversation at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 877 Um, I think I'm being told we're going to go to break, and we have a couple of callers on the line. Michelle and John, hang on, and we'll be with you right after this break. We're talking about sex education and empowering children to keep them safe. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we'll be right back.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
0: Welcome back and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress and I'm here with some special guests. We're talking about sex education, how important it is and how empowering it can be. We have Dana Larkin, who is executive director of Growing Up Knowing, and Leah Wittenberg, who is a program specialist, and we also have Gigi Holder, social worker, at our Center for the Advancement of Youth. So, okay, let's go on back to the phones. We have lots of... We have Michelle in Mississippi. Hey, Michelle.
5: Hi. Good um, morning, uh, ladies. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. My question is how do you or what advice would you give parents dealing with LGBT issues with teens or younger kids if they don't, number one, if they don't agree necessarily with that lifestyle, number two, if they don't have a problem with it but they don't know what to tell their young child um, just exploring this type of uh, lifestyle, Mm -hmm. uh, what advice would you give those parents? And I'll hang up and listen to the answer.
0: So, um, first of all, I'll just mention um, before I turn to our our visitors, experts here, um, we know that in um, children with LGBT, um, with sexual identity thoughts and concerns. We know there's a high incidence of depression, a higher incidence of suicide. This is something we really need to address and not sweep under the rug. So I just want to say that as we're moving through this issue. Um, Gigi, do you have some comments?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's um, a really important question to ask and an important topic to talk about um, because there are a lot of things sensitive to the LGBTQ community. And like Dr. Butcher said, within this community are the highest rates of self-harm, suicide, depression, and so on. And the biggest thing that any parent can do if their child comes to them and mentioned something along the line of, of, of with LGBTQ is, uh, is support. That's the biggest thing. It's, it's not necessarily about uh, agreeing with the child's lifestyle or things like that. The child is confiding in the caregiver at that time, and what they're wanting is just to know, like, is this okay? Am I considered weird? Are you still going to love me? Am I still accepted? The biggest thing right there is, is support, and then together the child and the caregiver can walk that path of, well, what do we do now? finding resources, things along that line.
2: And so in our Tween Talk program, we actually have um, made a decision to kind of gender neutralize all of the names because we do we use a lot of Mm -hmm. scenarios and so all the names are gender neutral and we don't facilitate with judgment um and so another way that we um try to be inclusive is that we define sex as an exchange of bodily fluids and so and so we define abstinence as you know anything when you are exchanging bodily fluids basically because we also we don't want um because we we also we hear the word abstinence a lot, and um, it doesn't mean you know the like typical penetrative sex that we um, often think it is. And so we really we want to try to start that with those uh, I mean with those facts and start that conversation uh-huh, earlier. Exactly. Right.
0: It's it's not just about preventing pregnancy, mm-hmm, but exactly. it's it's about um, preventing many other and, things that can go on.
3: Mm-hmm. And it's the focus of our program is to get the children and the parents talking to each other. Exactly what Gigi was right. saying is that to be there for support and figure it out together. That was a, a beautiful answer. And one I might incorporate that was great.
0: All right. Let's stay on the phones. Um, we have John in Benton, um, John, thanks for calling. You have some comments about, um, parents and abuse. Talk to us.
6: Yeah. Um, uh, when I was 12, uh, I was in a scout troop, and we had a sexual predator that was the scoutmaster, mm. and he made us sign this pledge on the scout oath that we wouldn't tell our parents.
4: Oh, he abused, wow.
6: He abused a lot of us for several months, and then uh, one boy... Apparently, told his parents, and he was outed. And in those days, uh, they just sent him—they just sent him away. They didn't press any charges or anything. But I'll never forget when my parents found out about it. They set me down on the bed, and, and by the way, I, I didn't get the sex talk at all. I had no right. clue about it. Right. Right. Uh, they said, you know, we're so sorry. Do you need any help? Well, I was 12 years old, coming into teenagers, and I thought I could take care of it. I said no. And that was the last that was ever spoken of it. Mm -hmm. So all all that to say, I really encourage parents to keep the lines of communication open. Uh, And my own son was also abused, but because of my experience, I was able to reach out and help him.
0: Well, good for you, John. Uh, You know, thank you so much for calling. It's probably difficult to talk about this, but it's really important for our other listeners to hear your story because this is the kind of thing that happens. This is what we were talking about. We so often worry about strangers when the reality of it is it could be a a scoutmaster. It could be somebody that your parents think are these great people who are supposed to be teaching you these great lessons in life and so um, you know I I think the other thing that you mentioned John is I know your parents were very well-meaning when they sat down and said do you need any help but the answer if if that ever happens to a child the answer is a good idea to go talk to a professional who's well-trained in this Right, Gigi. That yes. yeah, that you could make sure that there's nothing that's being pushed out or any guilt feelings or anything that yeah. need needs to be resolved.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. what we what typically tends to happen in those situations, uh, like John was saying, that when he was asked for, I'm like, no, most of the time uh, that. Uh, child might not say right then in that moment, yes, I need help. They might say, no, I can take care of it. They go through I all that. I can handle it. Right, exactly. Yeah. But as time goes on and the, the child continues to process, it's a process when anything like that happens, and those feelings can change. So like you are saying, like, if the parents are able to do a check-in, maybe even it, it wouldn't even hurt to go speak to a professional, even if it's just a one-time check-in, um, but something taking that route right there so that the child also knows that, again, that's another avenue of support and help if we ever need it.
0: Right. All right. Well John, thank you so much for that call. And and you know, I'll I'll hand it back to you too, John. If you still are ruminating over any of that history and you feel like you still have some issues that you need to resolve, reach out for help. It's not it's never too late. To go to a counselor and have someone uh, just to run some of those thoughts by and help you pull yourself back to the center.
6: Okay, hey, uh, can I make a quick comment? Sure. Uh, I I have dealt with this uh, very well over the years. I have no issues, but I will say with my son, because of my experience, and so I, we we spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars on counselors to get him through it. And, he is doing very well as, as, as well. He, he has no remaining issues with it. So uh, I'm very thankful for that.
0: Well, thanks again. I think just your call probably helped a lot of people know how to be more aware and, and um, how to protect their children. All right. Let's So uh, let's go, stay in the phones. We're going to go. Greg's been patiently waiting in Columbus. Greg, you have some comments about abstinence. How are you? Oh,
7: absolutely. oh I'm doing super. It's a beautiful day today. Great. Hey, I heard the comment where someone said uh, relative to the thought that, you know, their kids, their adult, or I'm sorry, they got physical needs. They're going to do it. I'll let you know that they're not going to do it. There's a good portion of kids out there that don't. I'm 57 years old, and I was a virgin on up, uh, approaching the age of 30, as far as marriage. With my culture and background, it was enforced, and there was a support group there, as far as, you know, constantly preaching that uh, sex outside of marriage is wrong and wait for marriage. And what kids don't realize, even if you don't want to go there as far as the moral route, what really needs to be emphasized to these kids is that when you have sex, there's a whole host of STDs out there. And I've seen it firsthand many times, you know, in the emergency room. You know, kids, uh, you know, as young as 12 years old, uh, kids, you might say kids that are 20 years old. And uh, they're so surprised that now they have a a companion for life called herpes or genital warts or anything like that. And then you, you don't even look there. Let's say you don't get it. Let's say you escape and you don't get an STD. But now you're pregnant. Uh, You look at the girls in Mississippi that get pregnant as they're single, uh, the vast majority, uh, not only are they already in poverty, they've just condemned their children, per statistics, to poverty, and if they're a man, they pretty much condemned them to prison. And so you're having all these things out there, and when you're even promoting sex, there's a time to have sex education, I agree. With me, I look back at my public school back in Ohio, very fine school in and I'll be honest, uh, I may have known maybe two or three people after I graduated that uh, may have had sex out there. Did it happen more? I graduated with a class of like 600 people, and there was not a culture of you're going to do it, so just go ahead and do it. There definitely wasn't a container of condoms, and, and oh my goodness, uh, <laughs> I, just, I just didn't come from a culture yeah. where it's pushed that... You're going to have sex. Go ahead and do it. And then here in Mississippi, because of my job, I came here. It just you know you know makes me just get sick in the stomach. It's like why don't these people think? And you know you call it think uh, radio there. Well, you know push the think part. Okay. You have a child. You have a child as a single woman who's 18 or yeah. less, or even in her young twenties. You have zero skills. And then you got a guy who's you know he's a sperm donor, but you never see him again, and he's not going to support you. Okay, and, you know,
0: Greg. Let me stop you there just for a minute. You 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 actually have said some things that concern all of us. Teen pregnancy is high. We know that STDs are rampant, and in some areas they're on the increase. We know all that, and I hear you. It sounds like you work in an emergency room, and you you've seen lot and and as as we have and that part of the issue is that we need to make sure That everybody understands that just because you educate someone appropriately about sex, it doesn't mean that you're saying, go out and have sex, unproductive sex, and and get pregnant. That is not what this show is about, and I hope you understand that. I would never recommend that. That is not the right thing to do. Um, But um, we do know that it's important to empower people with appropriate Mm-hmm. knowledge. And I think uh Leah, you wanted to make a comment on this yeah. and Gigi I saw you too go ahead so
2: thank you so much for calling in Greg I know there's a lot that you are saying and a lot to really? um, unpack there so um, and I agree that you know you're talking about the consequences of teen pregnancy and that's in our tween talk and our comprehensive sex ed program the final session is about you know what do you what do the children want to be when they grow up and how will getting an STI or getting pregnant um, put up barriers to those um, You know, their goals for life. And so, you know, there, and, you know, research shows that abstinence only education doesn't work. And it's, and there are many reasons for that. Um, And so, you know we do we do push um, we say that abstinence you know is the only effective way to absolutely not get pregnant not get an STI yeah Yeah. and so we even there's um, a game that we play in the tween talk where um, there's a card that says abstinence on one side not abstinence on the other and we give the teens and their parents a bunch of cards that have different um, acts on them so it could be you know making out um, like talking about sex and so and they learn, so they put them in the columns and they learn that, you know, very quickly talking about sex can turn into not abstinence. So there are a lot of um, acts and things that we may do that may not be abstinence, but in a second they can turn into abstinence and so into not abstinence. I'm sorry. So. That is, you know, a way that we are educating these families and giving them the correct information. And instead of just, you know, telling them, don't have sex, you will get an STI and die, a la Mean Girls. Um, and so, no, yeah, but really... Um, yeah, yeah. I,
0: I think, Greg, I really appreciate you calling mm-hmm. because I think this is exactly what we need to be talking about. and And I hear your frustration, mm-hmm. and I believe we all have it. We wish that um, we would have a lower rate of teen pregnancy. We wish that we would have a lower rate of STIs. And we we, we know that um, educating people to understand better is probably the best way we can go to, to get to that end. I know we need to go ahead and take... Um, our final break um, and when we come back, we'll keep talking about this. is very important issue sex education. Um, who, who should get it? How early should it start? Um, what should we be saying? Um, what happened to you? Give us a call at 1877 MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at MPBonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back.
1: This is an mpb think radio podcast to hear previous shows visit mpbonline.org or download the mpb public radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand
0: welcome back and thanks for listening today we're talking about sex education who should get it how early um, why why do we talk about it anyway Um, is there a danger in perhaps increasing the frequency of um, children having sex? So our our point today is that we want to make sure that that everybody understands that th- this is empowering children to make informed decisions. So um, before the break, we were talking with um, about the fact of um, why abstinence only is is not. Um, the right message because it doesn't work um, uh, Dana I think you wanted to make a couple of comments and then Gigi will turn it back to you
3: so I was thinking during, your que- during that question that um, Elizabeth Smart who was kidnapped and raped over and over while in captivity is now on the speakers bureau talking about how abstinence only education really hurts young women because a lot of times, it's not their choice. Um, they get bullied and they get raped and whatever. And then, if they also have to go through that emotional trip with um, with with not being uh, a virgin anymore, and and but the choice was taken from them, then there's a whole lot of shame. So it's not. It's not beneficial to to young women to be to have abstinence-only education. Yeah, and I was thinking, I was shaking my head over here because I
4: heard that key word that you said, Dana, about choice. And when we limit the the choices that young people have when it comes to the topic of sex, you know, well, what are some things I can do? There is abstinence, there is contraception, there's w- whatever it is. Um, but when we limit those choices and we say something like abstinence is the only way to go, then, uh, again, it can just be really limiting. Um, I, I was also thinking, too, about what we were talking about, if, if abstinence is talked about and therefore... Uh, or if sex education is not talked about and then therefore like it equals like we kids won't do it or anything like that I think what I would like to leave uh, individuals with is about just being able to empower kids to make an informed decision and it does go back to that word choice if we think about it kind of equating uh, if you think about um, uh, sex comparing it to like with smoking you know like we talk about kids we, we talk about um, the importance of kids not smoking not picking up that habit early or anything like that but to not talk about it well, then, again, it goes back to it creates that veil over it, and, and we're not giving kids in a, an informed, um, we're not giving them a choice when it comes to it, things along that line. So I just want to say that when it comes to that, it's sex, it's a behavior, it's a health behavior, and to give information about it is to provide those with um, so that they can make a choice and have an informed decision later on down the line. Right, and and I want to remind everybody,
0: too, that this is not just about teen sex education. I want everybody to remember that the very young child needs to to be taught, to be informed, to understand that it's okay to come to mama or daddy or grandparent or whomever Um, they think might be their protector if somebody is touching them in a bad way. So you've got to open up the lines of communication. Remember what I said at the very beginning is that that is one of those gifts that you can give your children is to make sure that they know that they can ask you a question or tell you anything, Um, that nothing is taboo, that, that the lines of communication are open. That's a gift. So, um, Dana, Leah,
3: any other comments, parting words? Well, I just want to uh, encourage you all to go to our website, www.goingupknowing.org and contact us. Read about all of our programs and contact us. We partner with community organizations, with schools, with houses of worship, with Girl Scout, Boy Scout troops, whatever, to impart our to bring our program at no cost to the partnering organization. And so I hope, um, so you can contact us through our website and, and, or call us at the number on our website and, um, we will be happy to respond. Yeah.
2: And also, like Susan was just saying, talking starting really young, we actually have recently been working with early childhood experts to bring down our My Body, My Boundaries program for elementary families for families of three and four year olds. And so we actually piloted that this past weekend and we'll be rolling it out at um, early childhood centers across the state. So if you have any connections at early childhood centers um, that would you think want this information, um, that would also be wonderful. And we are excited to announce that the Mississippi chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics recently wrote a letter of endorsement for both our My Body, My Boundaries for elementary families and for our upcoming early childhood. Um, So you can find that also on our website, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. We're all we're very connected.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Thanks to all three of you for being here. I I hope our listeners felt like they got some really good information. I know I did. And I've looked hard at this program and it looks like an excellent one. So I would encourage you to join in when you have an opportunity. Today's show is engineered by Jay White. Our call screener was Michelle McAdoo, and I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. So please join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking, and stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio.